Who loves the presence of the Lord? Isn't it good? Amen. Hallelujah. We're going to take up our offering now, so let's welcome uh, uh, Dave up to the stage. Let's give him a big welcome. Hallelujah. Well, I was actually uh, reading the Bible yesterday, and I got to Exodus. It's a bit loud, is it? Exodus 29, verses 24 and 26. And I just read about how the congregation came together. And uh, it was interesting, really, because it said they actually gave a wave offering. Now, I got really excited about this. I said, well, this is interesting. So we're going to give a wave offering this morning. Hey? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to change things around. So I hope, like John Bavere says, I don't offend everyone, anyone because we do the offering a little bit different. But what I want is the ushers, if they could come now and they could collect off the congregation of you this morning what you've prepared in your hearts to give and your offerings and your tithes, I'll come and they'll collect it now while I explain what we're going to do. Now, in the, in the church, when they came together, God decreed a wave offering. Now, what did he do? He said, well, basically, he said that this is what's going to happen. He said to the congregation as they came together, he said, firstly, what I want you to do is I want you to take half the offering and I want you to wave it before me. I want you to wave it before me. This is what I've decreed. And then that there will be burnt and it'll be as like sweet incense to me. It'll be, I will love it. That's actually giving me recognition and honor. And we do this today when we give our offerings. The first part in our hearts are we recognize just as they did that Jesus saved them that Jesus brought them out of Egypt and out of captivity and out of bondage. He actually led them in the wilderness. So they actually, in their hearts, when they gave their offering, they looked at what God had done for them. The second thing is they took the other part of the offering and they waved it before the Lord. And what they did is they did this for the second purpose, and and that is, is very important. Sometimes we forget it in our busyness, is that he did that because he wanted relationship with them. They were to actually wave this and then sit down and eat together realizing that God is our friend and he is interested in every issue and every problem and every struggle that you have. And if you've got finance problems, he's interested in that. Amen. And you can trust him to meet your needs because he is our provider. So there are two things that the congregation did, but we're going to do it differently because we haven't got bulls and, and, and stuff to slaughter here on the altar. So what we're going to do is that we're going to do a wave offering that we know in our culture today If you're at a rugby game or if you're at a cricket game, you know what a wave offering is. It's called the Mexican wave. So what I want is the first two rows here to demonstrate to the rest of the church what a Mexican wave is. We're going to start over here with Ian, and we're going to go through to the end over here, and we're actually going to do a mix sit down because you actually a Mexican wave is is it sitting on your seats and then whoa and then down. It's like a wave that ripples. Now this we're doing this to the Lord. One, because of how good he is, he's our God. We're going to do it together as a congregation. Everyone has a part. That's right. I mean, because we all belong to God. Even if you're not saved here today, he's your God and he loves you immensely. So, Ian, if you'd like to start, and it goes, yep. Hey, give them a clap. Oh, that was very good for a first attempt. But this time, we're going to do it. The whole congregation is going to do it. We're going to have a ripple through. And then, we, then Ian will have to be sharp on this side because then they'll start it the second time. I'm going to do it three times. For God, for Jesus, and for the Holy Spirit. For the impact that they've had in our lives. All right? So, Ian, if you're three times, let's go. Come on, the whole church. And again. And again. Right, let's go. Hey, let's give God a praise.
enjoy that. Oh yeah. Let's give the Lord a clap. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, worship team. Wow. Oh, that was good, Dave. I enjoyed that. I was getting worried that you were going to burn the checks, though, man. <laughs> I thought, be careful. Hey, uh, how many of you are excited about um, next term? We're going to be doing the bait of Satan. Yeah, that's going to be a great time. We're going to have a fantastic time doing that. So if you're not involved in a small group yet, you need to get one, get involved in one. And I want to tell you, I've got a message here from Cecilia, Pastor Cecilia, saying the books... Okay, the books are going to be uh, available next Sunday and the following Sunday, Sunday the 17th and 24th, for $24. Okay, you buy those in the shop, you'll pay about $30 plus dollars. Okay, so here on a special price, okay, so $27.95. Okay, well, there we go. If you buy it in the bookshop, $27.95, you buy it here at Bay City. Special to you, okay, no free gimmicks or anything, but uh, $20. So very good. So that's going to be available next week. So um, get ready. <laughs> oh, did I say the 20th? $20. No, I did say $20. Oh, no. So... $20. It's a good deal. <laughs> All right. How many of you are ready for the Word of God this morning? Yeah? Have you got your Bible with you? All right, I want you to, we're going to do another something different this morning. I want you to grab your Bible, lift it up. Okay, and I want you to say after me, this is my Bible. I have what it says I have. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. This is my Bible. It's the Word of God. Now give the Lord a clap. Make the devil angry and the Lord happy. Woo! Woo! I'm going to have some fun here this morning, eh? Yeah. Let's not drop all my notes on the floor, though. All right. You know, this morning, the subject I'm going to talk to you, okay... It is relevant to every one of you that's here this morning. Okay, whether you're a Christian or whether you're a non-Christian, unbeliever, if you're here this morning, okay, this is relevant to you. Whether you have strong faith or weak faith, this is relevant to you. Whether you've been saved a long time or a short time, I can guarantee you're going to deal with this issue sometime. All right? Yeah, okay, so you're going to want to know what that issue is. So I want you to turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. It's good. Matthew 11. Say yes when you got there. Yes. All right, we're going to look at chapter, uh, verse 2. Verse 2. And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and he said to them, Are you the coming one or do we look for another? And Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things which you hear and see, the blind see and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. 
Now I want you to read with me the last line. It'll be on the, the, last, the next verse. It'll be on the screen behind me if you don't have the same version. Let's read together. And blessed, let's say it together, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Let's say it again. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Now, let's get a bit of a picture of what's going on in this, uh, in this, in this section here, this passage. Okay, here we have John, he's in prison, and he sends a couple of his disciples to Jesus. And he says, go and ask Jesus, are you the coming one, or do I look for another? And Jesus, in that time that his disciples are with him, Jesus is healing the sick. He's causing the lame people to walk. He's opening blind eyes. He's raising the dead. And he tells the disciples of John. He says, go and tell John these things. And then he adds one phrase on. He says, and blessed is he who is not offended with me. You know what is Jesus talking about? How many of you have been offended with a lame person walking? How many of you have said... if? That's it. If one more blind person gets to see, I'm just giving up on God. That's not going to happen, is it? You know, I've never heard someone get offended because someone got healed. Okay? What's he saying? You see, John's in prison. John's heard of the mighty works that Jesus has been doing. And John has an expectation of Jesus. He's got an expectation that Jesus is going to get him out of the prison. And that expectation is not getting met. And John says to Jesus, Jesus says to John, he says, Blessed is he who is not offended by me. You see? Now I want to tell you this morning, this message I've entitled, Even the Strong Struggle Sometimes. Even the Strong Struggle Sometimes. Because I want to tell you, John wasn't some weak-kneed, feeble, indecisive, lukewarm believer. John wasn't that at all. This was a man who had heard the call of God in his mother's womb. This was a man who, when Mary came into the room with our Savior in her womb, John jumped in his mother's belly. He recognized that Jesus was the coming one in his mother's womb. He didn't say from his mother's womb, are you the coming one or do I look for another? He didn't say that. You know? Can you imagine? <laughs> he didn't say that. You know, John had known Jesus right from the time he was little. And he knew he was the coming one. But you see, there was a problem in John's life. He ended up in prison the end of his ministry and he had an expectation that Jesus would get him out of there and when that expectation when, when, when Jesus didn't come through like John was hoping there was an offense you know there was a disappointment and you know this morning in all of our lives everyone here whether you're a believer or unbeliever, there will be an expectation, various expectations in your heart, expectations of what God will do for you when He will do it. And the risk is, is that 
if you're looking to that completely, then your risk is to be disappointed with God. Now, we'd call it disappointment with God, but Jesus gave it a stronger word. He called it offense. He said, John, you don't want to get offended with me. Don't get offended with me. You see, when I was a kid, we used to play Monopoly. I don't play it now because I hate the game. Okay? <laughs> do, you know do you know what? It always erupted in a fight in my house. Okay? <laughs> it seems to bring out the tyrant and the most passive person. You know? They turn into like a mini Hitler. Wanting to extract that last cent out of you and wind you down into your groveling mess. That's what Monopoly is about, you know. So after it ruining about three of our family's summer holidays, I think it was burnt. <laughs> so my wife wonders why I hate board games. She knows now. You know, okay, but with Monopoly, the one thing that you do not want to end up with is being sent to jail. Okay, you do not want to get there. Go direct to jail. Do not pass go. Do not pick up $200. You don't want that. Unless, of course, unless, of course, you've got a get-out-of-jail-free card, yeah? You want that get-out-of-jail-free card, yeah? Okay, okay, here's the point, is that, you know, in our lives, we expect our faith in Christ to be a get-out-of-jail-free card, yeah? Okay, we expect that Jesus will save us from every discomfort, okay, and give us a life of ease, Wrong, okay? I want to tell you that. Okay, now part of that comes from, part of that comes from a misunderstanding of the health, wealth, and success teaching, okay? Now, right here in this church, we preach health. We preach wealth. We preach success. We do not preach sickness, poverty, and failure. We don't preach that here, okay? We don't believe it, okay? Because we believe that when Jesus died, when Jesus died, he was whipped and beaten for our sicknesses, yeah, so that we can be healed, yeah. He bore our griefs and sorrows so that we could have his joy, yeah. All right. Now, he took our shame so that we could share his honor, yeah. That's the gospel we believe, that Jesus Christ broke the curse of sickness. He took the, the, he took the weapons of Satan, disarmed him. Pulled him down, defeated him, knocked him down, so that we can be healed in our physical bodies, okay? That we can have no lack of the resources that we need to live in this life, all right? So that we can win in this life, and that we can rule throughout eternity with Jesus Christ. We have eternal life. How many of you have eternal life living in you? Oh, yeah, and that's a good thing. You want to get happy about that? How many of you are happy about that? Oh, come on, give the Lord a clap then. That's a great place to clap to the Lord. Yeah. Now the problem, let me tell you what the problem is with this, okay? There's no problem with that in the teaching at all because that teaching is true, correct? It's the Word of God. The problem is, do you know what? Our soul, our human nature, translates that to a life of comfort and ease, okay? Our soul goes... You just sit back in your easy chair with your Coke in your hand, your remote control in the other hand, and let life just cruise on by. 
because you got your get out of jail free card. Okay, that's what the soul says. That's deceptive. Okay, our soul says and wants to deceive us into believing that when you're in Christ, you're in some sort of protective bubble insulated from the rest of the world where you can be shielded from all difficulty or hardship. All right? And when life doesn't match that expectation, its result is disappointment. In fact, Jesus called that disappointment offense, offended with God. And let me tell you, that's a common experience. Because every one of us here has expectations of God. Things that we believe that God should do for us. Things that we believe that God should do it now for us. Things like, you know, an expectation. And look, most of them, okay, they're not wrong expectations. Okay, they're not bad expectations. An expectation that a lost spouse would get saved. An expectation that your business would become wildly profitable without you doing anything about it. Yeah? (laughs) Without changing the way you operate. Yeah? An expectation that your children would be nice to you. Okay? (laughs) An expectation that your parents would get off your back. Yeah? An expectation that things would go well for you at school and all the kids would like you at school. These are expectations that we have. And when our life doesn't match up with these expectations, like John, we need to hear the words of Jesus. Blessed is he who is not offended by me. Blessed is he who is not offended by me. You see, offense with God is a common thing, remarkably common. But it hides in our heart, and our heart is deceptive. We need to know how to reveal it. Okay, we need to know how to identify it and then what to do with it. All right? So what does offense with God look like? You want to see what uh, John did? Verse 2. Actually, verse 3, and it says, And he said to him, Are you the coming one, or do I look to another? Are you the coming one, or do I look to another? Are you going to get me out of this hole, God? Or do I have to look for someone else? Are you going to get me out of this, God? Or do I go somewhere else for my help? See, do I look to myself, just grit my teeth and bear it, just push through it? Do I look to a relationship? I love it. That's what I need. I've got one. It's great. (laughs) My wife. Okay. Do I look to another? Do I look to a relationship? Do I go find something that I'm looking for that I'm not getting met with you, God, because you're not meeting my expectations? Do I look somewhere else? Are you the coming one? Or do I look somewhere else? Do I look to friends? Do I look to pubs? Do I look to clubs? Do I look to the internet? Because maybe that'll meet the need in my heart. Do I look to money? How much money can I make? Well, that'll meet my needs. Wrong? Okay. Do I look to food? Yeah, where do you turn to for comfort? What comforts your soul? Yeah, what are you looking for? Are you looking for Christ? 
to meet your needs or do you look to another because who you look to in your time of need okay is an indication of whether there's a, a an offense a disappointment with god or not all right so it says are you going to help me obtain this life of comfort and ease or do i go somewhere else for it see what else does it go with it goes along with grumblings like god god didn't come through for me god doesn't care well, I'm not good enough for God. God's not going to do anything. It goes along with those internal thoughts and sometimes spoken out. Grumblings against God. But here else, here's another thing that it goes along with. Grumblings against the church. Okay? The church doesn't care. The church didn't help. The church didn't come through for me. No one cares. <laughs> You heard that? All right. Okay, let me tell you. If you've got a problem with the church, you've got a problem with God. All right? If you've got a problem with the church, then you've certainly got a problem with God. Because you know what? God is passionate about the church. God loves the church. It talks about the church being the body of Christ. Now, let me ask you something. What man, what man among here, okay, would say to his wife, you know, you've got a real pretty face, but sweetheart, time has been unkind to your body. You know what? <laughs> Done, oh, yeah, that's right. Okay. When you say that to the church, that's what you're saying. That's what you're saying to God. Yeah? Okay. You know what? He's not even going to finish that sentence and he's going to be knocked clear into next Christmas. Hey? And all the wives said, Amen. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Yeah, people will happily bag the church, you know? Or, what person is going to come to me and say, Doug, you know, I like you. You're a good guy, okay? I, I, I'm, I'm, really, I'm really keen to spend some more time with you. But this wife of yours, I cannot stand. You know what? He's not going to get any further. You know why? Because I'm going to turn him around, okay? Point him. I'm going to do a Daniel Carter on him, okay? <laughs> I'm going to turn him around, point him towards the goalposts, and kick him straight through it, eh? <laughs> He's not going to get a chance because I love my wife. You know, it talks about the church being the bride of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ, and God is passionate about His church. You have a problem with the church, you've got a problem with God. Amen? Yeah? All right. Okay. Right. Here we go. So, here we go. These are some of the things that will indicate, okay, that you've got a problem with God and offense in your heart. And you see, it's tricky. This is why, this is why you know, if I asked, just asked anyone here, I say, have you got a problem with God? They'll say, no, I love God. I love Jesus. Okay. Who loves Jesus? Yeah. We all love Jesus. Okay. Now, the thing is, is that John loved God also with a passion. But there are some things, okay, that will indicate whether you've got a problem with God that's hidden in your heart needs to be revealed. First of all, prayerlessness. If prayerlessness is evidence in your life, if you're struggling with prayer, I tell you what, you've got a problem with God. Because communication is the first thing that goes in a relationship, you know, when there's an offense. 
stop talking. If a husband doesn't talk to his wife, there is a problem in the relationship. Yeah? If the children don't talk to their parents, there's a problem in the relationship. And when a Christian doesn't talk to God, there's a problem in the relationship. Yeah? If you're struggling with prayerlessness, that could be one of the issues that's going on for you. Okay, a lack of passion in worship and reading the Bible. Okay? If you can come in to the presence of God, time of worship, and struggle with that, look around in the midst of worship and never touch the presence of God or allow His presence to touch you. And then you've got a problem with God. It would indicate there's a problem. Okay? Apathy towards the things of God is another indication. Okay, apathy towards the things of God. Or come along to David Hogan. You know, this man has prayed for the sick and, and raised dead. Come along. Oh, nah, I, I don't want a late night. And you know, it's cold. <laughs> ah, I've heard it all before. There's apathy towards God. Oh, come along. Come along to the CCC worship band on Thursday night. Man, those guys rock. Have you got the album if you haven't? You get it on sale here on Thursday night because you're going to be here, eh? <laughs> oh, nah, it's cold. Uh, it'll all just be full of young people anyway. Uh, <laughs> no way! Okay, that's an indication that there's a problem in your heart. Okay, if there's a lack of willingness to reach out to others, it's an indication that there's a, there's a problem in your heart. Okay? If there's a whack, lack of willingness to speak to lost people about the hope that you have in Jesus Christ, if there's a lack of willingness to stretch out your hand and pray for people, okay, there's a problem, all right? Here's another one. If you're relaxed about missing church, you know, I can't stand it when I'm away. You know, I, I go one Sunday, but I've got to be back here. The only time I ever miss it is when I'm out of district, you know? If you've got no problem missing church, then I tell you, there's a problem in your relationship with God. Today, let it be a place that you're dealing with today. Eh? Amen? All right. So those are the indicator factors. If any of these things are going on in your life, they're like, they should be like a red flag going, attention here, you need to do something with this. Okay, there are red flags to your soul, to your spirit to say, I need to sort this out. Okay, what do you do about these things? First of all, you've got to get connected. Okay, what do you do? You get connected. Have a look in there. What was the first thing that John did? He called to his disciples. He called them up and he said, guys, I need some help here. I need some help. He called two of them and he said, I need some help. I need you to talk to Jesus for me. That's a model of what we should be doing, people. You know, when you've got a trouble in your life, a disappointment, the first thing that you need to be doing is say, I've got two people. I'm going to give them a call right now. I need help. Give them a call on the telephone and say, guys, I need you to pray for me. Talk to Jesus. I don't want any religious stuff, but I need to hear from God. Go and talk to Jesus for me. Come and pray for me. You know, that needs to be going on in your heart. If that's the first reaction, then that's a good thing. You see, you need to be connected. You need to be connected in a small group. You need to be connected. If you're, if you're new in the church, you need to be connected in the equipping track. That's a place to connect you. All right? You need to be connected. You see, when there's a struggle going on in your life, you can't do it by yourself. John couldn't do it by himself. He needed to call on his friends to go and see Jesus for him, to pray for him, to minister to him. To go and see Jesus for him. 
and come back with a word from God. Yeah? That's what we need to do. And if you're not connected, if you're not connected, then you need to do something about it today. Don't leave this place because you can't do it by yourself, eh? You can't do it. All right. Get connected. You know, there's a, a proverb, and this proverb has, has uh, stood me well over the last, actually, years, okay? Proverbs 18, verse 1. Because let me tell you, is that there's a hu- part of our human nature that when we're wounded, when we're disappointed, when we have an offense with God, there's a part in our human nature that wants to go away and sulk, okay? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. That's true. Yeah, There's a part of us that wants to go away and just be left alone. But Proverbs 18, verse 1. I want you to have a look in that now. Proverbs 18, verse 1. Proverbs 18, verse 1. It says, A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. Now, I remember a time in my life, okay, when I was hurting, and I didn't particularly want to talk to anyone. In fact, I was having a major sulk, okay? So I withdrew. And thank God, a godly man, pastor, came to me. He said, Doug, I want you to get your Bible out. I want you to turn to this verse. I was like, a hundred daggers of conviction just went into my heart. See, you are that man, okay? A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. What's that saying? A person who isolates, who shuts himself off, is selfish, self-centered. They are the center of their universe, all right? A man who isolates himself is selfish. How is that? They're just hurting, aren't they? Yeah, they're hurting, but they're also selfish. Do you know why? One, because they withhold the blessing of someone, a blessing from someone else for them ministering to them. Okay? Because there's a blessing. You know, when I pray for someone and impart something, an encouragement, strength to them, courage to them, there's a blessing to me as a minister. Okay? When someone withholds that, they withhold. When they, someone shrinks back and isolates themselves, they withhold that blessing from someone else and say well no if i'm said you know you're not going to have any 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 uh, uh blessing in this you know the other other reason they're selfish okay is because it's because they withhold their own gift from others you know it doesn't matter how down you are you're always able to help someone else and when you isolate yourself you remove your gift from being able to function and minister to others Hey, yeah, all right. So selfish, okay. Not only that, they rage against all sound judgment. What God, what's God talking about there? You know, right in the beginning and the plan of God, there was one thing in creation that God was not happy with, and that was man that was alone. So He did something immediately about it. He said it's not good that man be alone. He formed woman. Because it's not good for us to be alone. It's not good for us to live in isolation. So from the very beginning, God planned man to exist in a family. Yeah, He planned us to exist in a network of close relationships that will help sustain and, and love you. 
you know, right from the beginning. And it goes on to the formation of the church. Which the Word of God describes as a body which each joint connected, supplies. Yeah? Connected. Connection being the key thing. You know what? You need to be connected. Get connected. You see, get, get connected in the equipping track. If you're new in the Bay City, okay, get involved on the equipping track. If you've done the equipping track, then you need to be involved in a small group. Yeah, Pastor Cecilia can help you with that. I can help you with that. Any number of our leaders can help you with that. Okay? You need to be involved. You need to be connected. All right? Now, I hear lots of excuses. Okay? I hear lots of excuses when it comes to being involved in these sorts of things. I hear excuses like, oh, I'm just too busy. You know, or, oh, it's just too hard. All right? John was able to have fellowship with his small group in prison. Yeah? Come on. How hard was it for John? He was locked up in a cage. Yeah? And he still managed to have fellowship with his small group. Yeah? That's good. How many of you are locked up in a cage? (laughs) No one. Good. There's no excuses. All right? No excuses. All right. Get connected. Tell the person next to you, get connected. All right. The second thing is, okay, second thing is that you need to refuse, okay, refuse unbelief and doubt. You see, Kalinda and I like to entertain. Right from the time that we've been married, we've had people in our home. Right from the time that that, uh, we've had little babies in our house, we've had had groups of people in our house because we love to entertain. We love having people in our homes. It's a great thing. It's a blessing, you know. So when people come to my home, I welcome them. Either Kalinda or myself welcome them. Sometimes our children are a band of welcomers, you know. I, I put on good coffee for them. And let me tell you, nothing good comes in a packet named Instant. Okay? <laughs> hey, come on. <laughs> I put on good coffee for them. I make sure that the house is warm and clean for them, you know. I love to have people into the house. I entertain them because they're good people and I know that we can be a blessing to them and they can be a blessing to us. But there's some people that I will not entertain in my house. I will not entertain a robber in my house. Yeah? Someone who tries to climb in my window, okay, I will not entertain in my house. I lock my doors. I lock my windows against robbers. If one tries to get in, I will introduce him to the sharp end of the mop, okay? (laughs) Or the blunt end of a baseball bat. Should one get in, my children are onto it, you know. They have set up an elaborate network of booby traps throughout my house. Yeah, okay. Mum thought they were just making a mess. (laughs) Should a burglar get into my house, he's going to go through the first doorway, stand on the barbie car, go scooting down the hallway, and crack his head on the doll's house that was left in the hall. Okay? The police come around, say, what happened? My children got him. (laughs) You see, Kalinda thought they were just making a mess, but they've got a plan, you know? All right? You know, we would not entertain a burglar in our house. We would not entertain a robber in our house, someone who tries to get in and take from us. 
But you know, people, we protect our material belongings, but we also need to protect our mind, our spirit, our soul. You see, we let in and entertain burglars in our mind too often, people. When we entertain unbelief and doubt in our lives, when we welcome unbelief, self-pity and negativity in our lives, we're welcoming a robber into our lives to rob us of our spiritual standing, to rob us of our relationship with God, to rob us of trust, to rob us of faith. Because the principle of faith is he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Yeah? God is a rewarder. When you entertain doubt and unbelief and welcome them in, okay, meditate on them, think on them for a while, you're entertaining a robber. You see, Jesus did not entertain John's unbelief and doubt. You know what he did? We'll have a look at that in a minute. All right. We need to pull these things down. We need to refuse them. I think if you look behind me, 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 and 5. I'll turn to that, turn to that in my Bible. And you know what? If you haven't got this highlighted in your Bible, you need to have it because this is warfare scripture. Yeah? Second Corinthians 10, verses 4 and 5, it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought, bringing every thought, everyone say every thought, every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Unbelief and doubt are robbers. The high things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. Unbelief and doubt say that the God you believe isn't really who he says he is. Unbelief and doubt stand against the truth of God's word. And they stand against the historical truth of the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. And rose from the dead on the third day 2,000 years ago. And doubt and unbelief stand against that. We need to pull them down. Get rid of them. Cast them out. Yeah? We need to get them out of our lives. So tell the person next to you, refuse doubt and unbelief. All right. Let's have a look at the next one. Okay? Next one is, okay, you need to listen to what Jesus Christ has done and is doing on the earth today. You need to listen to what Jesus has done. You see, when John's disciples came to Jesus, uh, Jesus didn't give them a get out of jail free card. This is what he said. Go and tell John, go and tell John the things that you see, which you hear and see, the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Go and tell John. Go and tell John. You see, Jesus' word to John was, the dead are being raised up, John. 
The sick are being healed. Listen to it. I'm the one. Just because of your hardship, just because of what you're going through right now, doesn't take away from the fact that I'm the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Yeah? Someone give the Lord a clap, eh? Yeah? So we need to get into what the Bible says or what Jesus Christ did. Here we go. This is how we apply this. Okay? Because Jesus sent John a message saying, this is what I see, uh, this is what is happening. Okay? We need to spend time in the miracles of the Gospels. What has Jesus did? Spend time reading what the, the accounts of Jesus setting free a madman. See the accounts. Listen to the accounts. Read the accounts of Jesus setting free a person who is lame. Restoring sight to the blind, restoring ears to the hearing, raising the dead. Spend time meditating on it. Don't just read it. Meditate on it. See yourself in it. What does it look like? What does it feel like? Wow. Let the wonder of the miracles come around you. You know what the other thing is? Is get current with what Jesus Christ is doing on the earth today. You know what? Last week... We had David Hogan in this place, okay, or two weeks ago, whatever, you know. We had David Hogan in this place. And during that time, we heard what Jesus Christ has been doing amongst the Mexican Indians. We heard how the dead were being raised. We heard creative miracles. You know, it strikes me as kind of like David Hogan was just like the disciples sent back to John, saying, this is what I see. This is what I hear. God is alive and well on the earth. Okay, and your present circumstances don't negate that. They don't take away from that at all. You see, that's an incredible thing. You know, uh, David, how many of you enjoyed David Hogan? Wasn't he cool? Uh, How often do you get to uh, have someone minister who's got a bullet hole in their head? Yeah. (laughs) That's very cool. Did you know that? He's got a bullet hole with a scar where he's shot in his head. You know, and he's alive. You know? Wow. Okay, spend time. Spend time. Refuse to give in to doubt and unbelief. Get hold of tapes and messages. You know, Dave's got some, some amazing stuff from TB Joshua. You know? That was good therapy for me, listening to those tapes. It was good therapy for me, listening to David Hogan. Yeah? It'll be good therapy for you also. You know, it's a good way of dealing with any issues in your life when you see what God is doing. You see, he didn't give him a get out of jail free card. But he spoke and said, this is the work that I'm doing. This is the work that I'm doing. Don't be offended by me. Don't be offended by me, John. Okay, there's one last thing okay, that we need to do here. If you're going to stand against an offense against God, a disappointment against God in your life, because I'm guessing that there's people all through here that have disappointments, okay, where things didn't work out how they wanted. There's one last thing that you need to do. You need to draw on the grace of God. You need to draw on the grace of God. Have you ever got to the point of you saying, I just can't do it? Yeah? You ever got to that point? I just can't do it. You know what? You're 100% correct. Because if you could do it, Jesus Christ didn't need to die on the cross. 
for us. Eh? That's right. You know, if you could do it by yourself, then Jesus did not have to die on the cross. You see, when I talk about grace, you'll remember from the series that we did earlier this year, that grace is more than just the unmerited favor of God. Grace is the enabling power of God that comes into your life to enable you to do the things which you cannot do by yourself. Yeah? That's what grace is. When you get to the point of saying, I can't do this by myself, that's the place where the power of God can help you. Because when you can do it by yourself, you don't need the power of God. Yeah? Because you're doing it yourself. Why would God come in? Yeah? You see, grace is the enabling power of God. Grace is the power to overcome. You see, overcome is not about just trying harder. Grace and overcoming, overcoming is about drawing on the power of God to enable you to do that which you can't. You see, overcoming these areas of disappointment in your life, it's all about accessing the grace of God. You see, the Apostle Paul had a struggle. You may be familiar with it. It talks about the thorn in the flesh. Okay. Now, people have argued for years, thousands of years, actually, exactly what that thorn in the flesh was, but they missed the point. Okay. First of all, for the record, it's unlikely that that thorn in the flesh was a sickness. Okay. Unlikely. But whatever we know about that thorn in the flesh, we know that it was a painful thing in his life. We know that it was an irritating thing in his life. We know that it was an unwanted thing in his life. We also know that God didn't take it away. Yeah, God didn't give the Apostle Paul a get-out-of-jail-free card. Yeah? See, I want you to turn over in your Bibles. 2 Corinthians 12. 2 Corinthians 12. Verse 9. Actually, I'll read back going to verse 8. It says... Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul's response is, therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in weaknesses and reproaches and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, I am strong. Then I am strong. When I am weak, when I confess my own weakness, my own lack, then I am strong. If you're going to draw on the grace of God, you need to come to a point where you say, God, I'm not able to do it myself. I need your strength. Could I have the um, musicians, please? All right. You see, we can boast in our lack of strength because just there, God will come through for us. 
God's grace was all that Paul needed. And it's all that you and I need as well. This morning, how many of you have identified areas that you have a disappointment in your life? Yeah? Come on now. You see, if we're honest about it, those indicators that I told you about, prayerlessness, lack of passion for God, apathy and worship, there wouldn't be many people in this place that haven't had an area of disappointment. And see what? We need some medicine for that. We need some medicine for that. Jesus gave that to us through this message, what he told John. First of all, you need to get connected. If you're not connected, get connected. You know what the other thing about John getting connected was he got real. He told the truth of what was going on for him. Now we need to get real, get connected, get real. Yeah. We need to refuse to entertain unbelief and doubt we need to refuse it give it the same treatment that we'd give a robber who tries to break into our home we need to listen to what Jesus Christ has done and is doing on this earth feed on his miracles keep your heart and your mind open and we need to draw on the grace of God People today, let's stand up and worship God. Let's not walk away from this place with undealt with areas in our hearts. Let's worship Him.